Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds from the Bodlow Racing Team. Hi, I'm James Moffat from the Norton Hornets. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert from Four Pepsi Max Crew, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. It is, look, it's great. It's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bowl, so um, <laughs> been, been here before. I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but, but we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickheads, you could say. It's just it's, they're just there's <laughs> good racing and I enjoy it. Yeah. From the racetracks across Australia and around the world, here's Inside Supercars. Hello and welcome to the show. Joining me to discuss the issues of the week from Auto Action, Mark Fogarty. Good evening, Mark. And also... And also, Lewis Isaac. No, also I'm from... <laughs> oh, okay. Honestly. <laughs> and also from Fairfax Media. Yeah, welcome to the Supercar Comedy Show. It's always nice to have a bit of fun. And Lewis Isaacs will be providing plenty of that throughout the show too. Good evening, Lewis. Good evening, Craig. Mark, folks, is it? I think so. Ask yeah. Craig. Yeah. It could be anyone. Well, it'll be whatever I like at the time. Guys, interesting couple of stories. Uh, V8 Supercars has invited the teams to re-homologate for 2015. We'll definitely talk about that over at Fairfax. Ed Jackson had a story about Jamie Wincup, the V8 champ, saying that form going into the Bathurst 1000 means nothing. Folks, your good mate, Mr Bruce Newton at motoring.com.au, was talking about the Benz having positive talks with Erebus. Well, they would say that, wouldn't they? You know, a good, strong yarn from Bruce Newton is normal, but positive about what? Mm. I, I still don't understand what they're discussing. You know, Mercedes-Benz Australia, nor AMG themselves, are going to put money into that team. So they're looking to renew their licence, which, you know, as a AMG customer supporter, you know... I, I, you know, a license for what is it? I suppose it's just that to run in V8 supercars. Apparently, you still have to have the the approval of the manufacturer involved. <laughs> so, you know, I, that's all I can guess what it's about because there's going to be no commercial support. You know, probably not even to the extent of you know of them getting body panels at a cut rate, much less you know free or you know any other sort of support. Um, so leaves me at a bit of a loss, you know, how they're going to you know, spin this one, and particularly as they no longer um, utilise the technical facilities of AMG or their racing offshoot HWA in terms of the engine development program is now entirely in-house up at Yatala, and um, all the other development work was, was finished off last year at, at an immense cost. So... There's been a huge saving for Erebus on that front. So uh, I'm not being so much sceptical as just, you know, I, I don't quite understand it. And particularly as it's now clear, as I wrote some time back in Auto Action, that Erebus have had an offer of some factory support, limited factory support from Volvo, which would involve, um, you know, body panels and spare parts, those that are, you know, production items that can be used on the race car but more importantly you know an engine supply none of which they get now so honestly to me it seems like a bit of a no-brainer which one i'd choose Mm. there you go all right now uh, in the courier mail craig lowndes's column uh, i think it was last week talked about v8 supercars racing under lights 
would be awesome at the Gold Coast and Homebush. And when you think about when V8 Supercar started, folks, down there at Calder Park, under lights, we were assured that this was the future of motor racing in Australia. Well, it would be, and it'd be great to see anyone who's watched, you know, American racing, particularly NASCAR and even IndyCar, watching racing under lights is just spectacular. But the problem is cost. You know, even when we raced, I remember, I think, wasn't that the first V8 supercar race officially ever? Yes. At Calder Park or whatever it was called back in those days, under lights. But, I mean, saying it was under lights, you know, really, I could have probably done better with a flashlight. There wasn't much of the track under lights, but it was still very spectacular. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is definitely the way forward if we can get someone to pay for it. But lighting up Homebush or even the Gold Coast um, would cost millions and... Adelaide went through this exercise, you know, when it was suggested a couple of years ago that they'd be a great venue for night racing, and, you know, it just doesn't add up. It's several, at least several million dollars. So the idea is fantastic. If we could get up somewhere, it would be spectacular, but I can't see it happening, unfortunately. Yeah. Now, Lewis, the New Zealand Herald talked about the first drive of Super Black Racing, who were testing last week at Winton. Yeah, well, it's. It's a big day for them, I guess. It's still a bit of an unknown whether they're going to pop up on the grid a bit more permanently. But for for you know for many reasons, they should be quite quick at Bathurst. It's an FPR car. The two drivers are, are pretty reasonably acclaimed, and they got a bit of form going on. So it's a big day for them. Mm. Now, also, Speed Cafe have got an interesting story about Clipsal, which uh, folks was talking about there a moment ago. That the and it's a two part story that the Dunlop series might not be at Clipsal because. They're looking for uh, to change things up with perhaps some international support races. Well, the Clipsal program is quite congested already. You know, it's a four-day event, and there's pretty much stuff on from eight in the morning till you know the twilight race this year. So quite late, and clearly there's still plenty of room available. It's it's strange that they'd kind of push the Dunlop series away, given that they're the V8 category that has the largest grids, and there's quite a few decent names in there as well. Um, as far as internationals are concerned, the trophy trucks are a great novelty, but it's going to cost them a lot of money to come out here to be a support category. Is that worth it for them? You know, obviously, Clips will try to change things up and to generate a bit more interest. Yeah, but the stadium super trucks are going to be fantastic. Uh, I can... That's who they're talking to. I've seen them in action at the Detroit IndyCar Grand Prix. These things are absolutely out of control. They're big V8 you know, off-road type things that leap across or leap over, you know, jumps that they put in the middle of the track. They are spectacular. They they lean, they slide, they crash, they bash, they jump. No, they are fantastic. And uh, I know for a fact, you know, I spoke to Robbie Gordon at length at the Detroit Grand Prix. He's a fantastic character, you know, a top-line former IndyCar and NASCAR driver who's a a little wayward and lost his way, but ended up inventing this, well, reinventing it. It's, it's, it's something that Mickey Thompson did back in the 70s and 80s, and he's brought it back, and it's been running quite successfully in the States for a couple of years. In fact, um, he's just sold a big portion of the business um, to a commercial partner, and um, he'd already, when I was talking to him at the Detroit Grand Prix, was um, talking to me about how you know, he'd been approached by... Well, he said V8 supercars, but as it turned out, it's by the Clipsal 500 organisers. And um, honestly, when I was at the Detroit Grand Prix in the media centre, whenever those things came out and raced, 
the place stopped and everyone's attention was riveted. It was the best racing, the most spectacular racing, honestly. You know, it seems absurd when you see these things, but, you know, it is spectacular and exciting. So if they come out, they could very well steal the show. Mm, all right, well... There's a good reason for them not to come out now, isn't it, folks? <laughs> you've just scared off, you've just scared off the Hatesel to uh, what they did to the race of a thousand years to them. We need to take a break on the other side of the break. We hear from Craig Lowndes, who discusses Marcus's Ambrose's return to the V8 Supercar Series. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Tune in each weekday morning for a fast-paced look at V8 Supercars with Supercars Today. It's a short, sharp look at what's happening across the V8 Supercars world. The only, the only things Ross is ever critical on are things that A, going to make the car go faster, or B, going to make the race team look better. So he's, um, he's, he's honestly taken on board the, the team, and, and almost, you know, it's, it's great to see how much actually he's passionate. Supercars Today, each weekday morning at sportradio.com.au, or sign up for the podcast on iTunes. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard from Lockwood Racing, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two lovers to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do um, take the win off him. So, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Dale Wood from Team Advam GB Gal, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. With the news of Marcus Ambrose returning to Australia to race V8 Supercars, what does the most popular driver in the sport think of Marcus's return? He spoke to Peter Norton. Oh, look, it'd be great to have Marcus back. He was always a, a very uh, you know, competitive person when he was here. He's obviously still very competitive uh, over in the States. Uh, cars have changed a lot, but uh, I don't think that he'll have any dramas uh, getting used to them and uh, understanding them. And it'll be great to have him back in the, in the category. I think that uh, you know, he's one of the names that uh, uh, we lost there for a little while. And, yeah, it's nice to have him back. Some people, uh, you know, the casual fans, have, have perhaps been drifting away from V8 supercars because it's a little bit more of the same. Do you think that uh, Marcus coming back can put a bit more spice back into it? Oh, he'll definitely put spice back into it. Um, whether that uh, attracts a crowd, I'm not sure. But, uh, uh, you know, he's a character of his own. He was, as I said, he was very competitive. He was, uh, you know, aggressive at times. But, uh, you know, he was highly competitive. And I think that, uh, you know, him coming back puts a bit of spice back in the sport. I think that's a good thing. As some of the social media posts that we've seen, uh, uh, people are saying, well, I might just buy Foxtel after all. And uh, someone else saying, uh, where's the dislike button? But I was thinking that that person is going to tune in to try to watch Marcus fail. Oh, look, there's no doubt. I think that uh, you love him or I hate him. I think he'll bring, a, bring another uh, element to the sport. And uh, I think yeah, people will be interested to see how he goes, how he transfers back to a, you know, a V8. A V8 supercar comparison to a NASCAR. I think they're very different cars to drive. Obviously, very uh, rear-wheel drive V8s, but completely different cars in, in, in mindset. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting for him. These cars will probably be, be slower for him, in a sense, because they haven't got the horsepower and they don't go as fast. Some people may suggest that he's uh, too old to make that adjustment again. I guess that's uh, something that would upset you. No, I don't think, I don't think he's that old, too old at all. I think that uh, it doesn't matter how old you become, I think you, you adapt, adapt to things very well. And I think that uh, you know, he'll, he'll come back and he'll adapt very quickly. Oh, well, uh, exciting times ahead and uh, all the best for Bathurst. Yeah, thank you. I'm looking forward to Bathurst. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. 
Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian title since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth from Erebus Motorsport, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars uh, with uh, Mark Fogarty from Fairfax and Auto Action, along with Lewis Isaac from Auto Action. Just continuing on, I, I did mention the race of a thousand years with Fogues, and V8 said, we won't come back if you keep bringing these people along. I wasn't around when that happened. I was overseas, but I remember the race. It was to celebrate the turn of the century. Although I suspect they got it wrong because they held it in 2000, didn't they? Yeah, <laughs> well, a lot no, of people made that turn mistake. Turn of the century is actually 2001, but mm-hmm. that's being pedantic. Um, yeah, I've, so I, I have no recollection of whether the V8s were phased about it or not. I mean, well, they must be they view, they must be paranoid about sports car racing, folks. Because if you weren't paranoid about sports car racing, why would you schedule your practice? Turning a Sunday media day on the, you know, probably one of three biggest international motorsport events in the country. Oh, you're opening a very, very big can of worms, worms there, aren't you, Craig? Well, that's my job. Oh. Well, do you like really want to get into that? Channels. Uh, yes, why not? Well, it's, it's just the bitter rivalry for no good reason that exists for any reason between TV networks. And, you know, this is where it starts and ends. V8s did extend, you know, very limply uh, an olive branch and came up with a sort of a late suggestion that the V8 supercars pre-season test could be combined with the whole Bathurst 1000, uh, Bathurst 12-hour meeting um, at Mount Panorama. But it, it was all too late and too little. And, um, you know... Seven had a point to prove, so they probably paid over the odds to get the Bathurst 12-hour. And so in retaliation, we've got the two-day test, which really is <laughs> over-egging the pudding, honestly. And also, don't forget, the uh, Lewis, we've got the grab for cash on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, but what are you going to really want to watch, Craig? Grab for cash at Eastern Creek or an actual race at Bathurst? It's... Well, that is the question. A lot more what... people will see the Bathurst 12-hour the reality yeah. on seven, then we'll see, you know, two days of V8 test on Fox Sports, just just simply because, you know, you look at Foxtel, you know, they're about you know, one third of TV households have it yeah. and, and can get it, and that's it. Um, so on SBS this year, apparently, the Bathurst 12 Hour attracted about 300,000 plus viewers. People in the TV industry tell me that will translate into an easy half million on, on on seven, just because seven's got that critical mass of audience. So, I think the V8s have wrong slotted in this one. Yeah, I... yeah and blaming the broadcaster is like just—it's it, such a, a lame excuse, given that you know they've said, "Well, the Cricket World Cup's on in the Australian Open." Fox Sports are doing a, a massive rebrand at the moment. And they're going to have five channels. If you can't find a spot on five channels on one of those weekends where there's something else on. You're doing something very, very wrong. Honestly, I feel for the for the poor Fox Sports, or well, whoever the TV production um, mob is, 
you know, covering this thing for two days, honestly, they're going to be stretched to make it entertaining viewership. I mean, as you might argue, they are going to be during the whole season when they're doing three days, everything live. You know, they're going to be fill, fill, fill. And fine, if you're a V8 fan, I suppose it's going to be, you know, 7th Heaven or something, um, as long as you're able and prepared to pay for it. And Foxtel's getting cheaper by the minute, so it probably isn't going to be that onerous, the cost, if you're really, really keen. But, you know, honestly, these the production crew are going to be working flat out. There's going to be a lot of scrutiny of V8 supercars going on, I'll tell you. The, the six live events have been, you know, well-picked, well-selected, and they will create a lot of interest there. And that's really, if we were talking off-air about Pareto, 80% of the people watch 20% of the races. Yeah, well, that's, it. that's why they've picked those ones. And I think even though Twilight Racing was canned, you know, for the future... Three of those events were the ones they kind of uh, considered for that. So it's going to be an interesting kind of um, uh, presentation for it next year. And, you know, on, on Fox, which does a great job, and, you know, they're investing a lot of money into making the supercar uh, broadcast quite impressive. Um, you know, how that translates to 10 is going to be different with ad breaks. We've, you know, we've, we've grown up with 10 or 7, rather, for the last few years, and one of the biggest criticisms we get at Auto Action regularly is just the number of ad breaks. So... Is that going to be a constant problem on that? We talked about the Clipsal having international supports. Is it feasible to put the Dunlop first round at test day and at least have a race on at some stage throughout the, the two days? Yeah, but if you're having a two-day test, you're going to wheel these guys back into the garage so another mob can go do their practice, do their qualifying, do their racing. You know, It's kind of a, a half-assed attempt you know, to, to, to keep both teams or both categories happy and it, it just seems a bit backwards and if, with all due respect to the Dunlop series even though it has improved tremendously over the last few years it's not exactly the kind of category people actively seek out on its own you know it, it was racing on its own for a long time and then it firmly kind of put itself on the V8 calendar and it's, that's where it gets most of its audience now and that's the way it works uh, don't bother it's messy enough as it is look to be brutally honest no one's going to miss them at Clips or 500 either I'm afraid that's just the reality you know the Dunlop series is so far off people's radar, you know, non-motorsport people, I mean, you know, and even then I'm, I'm talking really die-hard fans, you know. It pains me to say it, but <clears throat> no-one will miss it from Clipsal and it would be just a, an unnecessary distraction at, at the pre-season test at Sydney Motorsport Park. You know, if, if they deserve their own pre-season test, give them their own pre-season. Take it somewhere like, I don't know, Wakefield Park. Well, we do need to take a break here on Inside Supercars. Plenty more when we return. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett from HHA Racing. You are listening to Inside V8 Supercars. Tune in each weekday morning for a fast-paced look at V8 Supercars with Supercars Today. It's a short, sharp look at what's happening across the V8 Supercars world. The only, only things Ross is ever critical on are the things that A, you're going to make the car go faster, or B, you're going to make the race team look better. So he's um, he's, he's honestly taken on board the, the team, and, and almost, you know, it's, it's great to see how much actually he's passionate. In Supercars Today, each weekday morning at sportradio.com.au, or sign up for the podcast on iTunes. Hi, I'm Scott Pye from Wilson Security, Dick Johnson Racing, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Lewis Isaacs and also Mark Fogarty joining me, Craig Ravel. And, uh, guys, a bit of talk has gone around lately. Uh, there was calls from Roland Dane to go back to a single compound tyre uh, rather than having the soft and the hard, which is currently in V8 Supercars. 
folks, is it a good idea to go back to one compound where for so many years we were saying, gee, if we just had two compounds that would liven things up spectacularly? No, not one compound. They need to have two compounds, but what they need to go to is ditch the hard tyre and go to the current soft tyre as your standard tyre and then introduce the super soft tyre, really sticky, gummy, limited life thing for use in qualifying particularly and then throw it into the races. I don't think Dunlop want to get rid of the hard tyre completely though because they need that for tracks like Phillip Island and um, Athos where the tyre load's quite high. They've, they've got their own concerns, but I do know... Well, they can keep it for, you know, for those specific requirements and... Yeah, and, and but you know, but still, then have the soft option. You know, let the cars loose, if only in qualifying, to see what they can do. And tyres are one of the cheapest components. You know, mm. of the race cars, it's, it's fairly subsidised by Dunlop too, which helps. But you look at Darwin this year, where they had, I think it was hard tyres only on the Saturday, and there were two processional races, soft tyre only on Sunday, and they were great to watch. You know, mm. the formula is pretty clear cut. But I do know that Dunlop's got a, a third compound in the country; they just haven't tested it yet. They're waiting for news from supercars to see what to do with it. Give them grip and they will come. Yeah. You can actually see them overtaking. Talking about someone who's uh, come back home and up in Toowoomba on the weekend, they said 27,000-plus people came out to uh, have a look at the brand-new airport and see Will Power have a race against a Cessna. Folks? Well, I think it was more about promoting the, yeah. what do they call it, the Brisbane West Well Camp Airport. <laughs> The first new airport they're claiming, um, Greenfield Airport, since Tullamarine 40 or more years ago. Um, it was a good turnout. Obviously, yeah. aviation enthusiasts were keen. Um, throw in willpower, racing a uh, was a, so a business jet, wasn't it? It was a Cessna. Yeah, well, when you say a Cessna, <laughs> yeah, sounds like some little, you know, light plane. It was actually a business jet. So. But yeah, the hometown hero is there and he would have dragged a few people along and uh, I don't think it's the last time we'll see Will Power in a V8. Um, you'd have to think that with Team Penske coming in, um, in the new look DJR Team Penske, that given that the IndyCar series next year will end in like August, um, mm. you know, why wouldn't you have at least Will Power and hopefully, how good would this be, one Pablo Montoya coming out to co-drive at Bathurst Yep, and, and in fact, Sandown, Bathurst and the Gold Coast. Oh, yeah, they could do the lot, but mm. it seems a no-brainer to me, but maybe that's too logical. But, yeah, no, the funniest thing about that um, ceremonial opening, if you like, of the um, Townsville Airport, the new Townsville Airport, which will, I think will be operational mid-November, um, is that V8 Supercars posted the airport's press release on their own website with a you know, brief mention of willpower, you know, Mm. racing the the jet but didn't actually <laughs> it was almost too subtle to to be believed but didn't actually make the link between the fact that the uh, Wagner's construction company or the family who built the airport um privately 100 million dollars worth um you know are pitching to uh, build a adjacent to the circuit are pitching to build a, a race circuit which V8 supercars fingers crossed tightly hopes to be their future <clears throat> permanent track in Queensland. How many of the manufacturers, Lewis, do you think is going to jump on board the opportunity to re-homologate their cars, remembering that there's a brand-new Ford that has to be homologated anyway? Well, I think if I was at Holden, I'd be ignoring it because there seems to be going all right. And uh, same with the guys at Volvo. They've, they've done a great job on theirs, and the 
as far as they'd be concerned, there's nothing wrong with it. But you'd have to think Nissan would still, you know, want to reconsider after everything they went through last year and then even this year again. And Ford's the obvious one because we don't know what they're going to have. And even if they do stick with the current FG, well, their drivers have been talking about a lack of rear grip for the last two years since the Car of the Future introduction. So, you know, it, it would make sense for them to reconsider it. And, uh, you know, who knows what Erebus is going to do and what they're going to have. That's the discussion from earlier. Yep, and uh, folks, obviously that supercars are still, you know, clenching, trying to get that extra manufacturer in because they really don't want to take the backward step of going back to four manufacturers. It, it doesn't look as good as saying, well, we have five now. But there's no new manufacturer on the immediate horizon. No, so it is a problem. They're because... facing the possibility that they may lose the Mercedes-Benz brand. But I, I find this new uh, era homologation system that they're talking about except you know the announcement is big on rhetoric and detail is completely absent they're saying that oh everything's right the the latest test we did validated the way we did it but we're fine tuning it we're adding some measurements and whatever they are to it mm. you know just to make sure it's all okay well i'm sorry that screams to me that there was some Floor, which to a lot of people is pretty obvious anyway, to the aero testing um, methodology. So without the detail of what's been added, um, it kind of, well, if it doesn't shout, it certainly talks loudly about that we have to make this better. So, yeah, the Ford homologation team, I, I guess that's FPR, <laughs> will be wanting to go back and see if they can make some gains and... Um, um, as Lewis said, you know, pretty much everyone else are fine. You know, maybe maybe Nissan will have another lash at it, a third go. Um, they seem to be aggrieved about the whole homologation system, you know, from when they started early on to the allowances that seem to be being made um, more lately, particularly to Volvo's benefit. Not that there's anything untoward about that. Volvo and Polestar have just read the rules and had some experience through Gary Rogers Motorsport and, and also, you know, probably applied for and got some concessions. So, And it will be interesting to see if FPR actually go through the process of homologating the the new look FGX. Depends who you talk to, but it's probably some... Well, I've heard hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to do a proper aero kit. Maybe it's, it's less seeing it's an upgrade, but it's different enough that someone's got to pay for it. And if they don't have any Ford backing next year, which is far, far, far from confirmed, you know, will they go to the trouble? We need to take a break and a final thought after this. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, We were able to beat the two levels to the boys and uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after um take the win off him. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm David Reynolds from Bottolo Racing Team and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. A final thought, Mark Fogarty. Well, we're coming up to the Bathurst 1000, the pinnacle of domestic Australian motorsport. And what are we looking at? Again, 26 cars. Now, I don't think it's make or break, but back in the day when you had 40 or more, even 50 or more cars, it really did add to the event. 
and I, I think 25 or 26 cars these days, even though the reliability is, is much improved, but it, it, it just looks a bit light on around the track when the things are droning around, you know, for six and a half odd hours. And, you know, let's be honest, the race generally doesn't come alive until the last hour or even half hour. We need to get the car count up. Now, there was a suggestion, you know, bring in the Dunlop series, or the Vestam at least, because you, can't, you just can't get a decent enough number of wild cards. That system just hasn't worked. Now, that's all very well, but, you know, the cars are different enough. I, you know, I think you could, you'd, you could probably bring the, the best of the Dunlop series in and pad the field out by another 10 at least, and it'll probably work. But, you know, they're the old-style V8 supercars, the new ones. The big opportunity comes in, I think it'll be 2016, which part of James Warburton, the V8 supercars chief executive's white paper, analysis of the future of the sport is to open up the Dunlop series in 2016 to the new generation cars because there'll be enough of them around and you know had enough running start to being sold the cars being sold off and filtered down into the Dunlop series that is a perfect opportunity a perfect opportunity to let though the best of those cars at least run and make the field bigger uh, you know the race can live without a huge field now but it's certainly going to do no harm whatsoever if more cars, especially like cars, are added to the fields. Lewis Isaacs, a final thought. Oh, I just think, you know, coming into Bathurst now, it's nice to have a, a positive story around supercars for a change with this Marcus Ambrose Penske thing. A lot of this year has been dominated, dominated by uh, parody wars, the TV deal, and this 12-hour scheduling conflict. But, you know, having Marcus come back, you know, ahead of the biggest race of the year is just it's a, a nice boost for the category, and it's probably what it deserves and, and needs at this stage. Well, that's all we have time for this week on the show. My thanks to Mark Fogarty and Lewis Isaacs. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au 